0: Hello, everyone. Good to have all of you today on this Tuesday evening. Today, we're going to speak to Amin Totosian, co founder of FX Edgeful and Fastpen. Hello, Amin. Hi there. Hi, hi. Very good morning to you, Amin. Good morning to all of you. So, uh, to other listeners, guys, a very good evening to all of you here in India. And I was talking about Emin. He's the co-founder of FX Hedgepool and Fastpin. He'll be talking about his globe-trotting entrepreneurial journey and what it's like starting a business and advice to all the budding entrepreneurs. So he's joining us from USA. And it's early morning for him there. So very happy to have you,
1: Emin, today. Look forward to our conversation today. Good, good to be with you, uh, Rushabh, and hi to uh, to everyone who's uh, who's tuned in.
0: So we also got Shashank saying now, is the brain behind this.
2: Hi, Shashank. Hey, Rushabh. Hey, Amin. Hi, Shashank.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so guys, without wasting time, let's begin. So Amin, instead of I introducing you, would like to request you to you tell us about your whole journey, your whole, uh, you know, experience?
1: Yeah, ha- happy to. Um, so I'm, I'm the co-founder of several companies, most notably Edgepool and Fastfin. Um, I'm a software engineer by training and a technologist at heart. Um, I firmly believe in the power of technological innovation as a force for good. Um, other than that, I'm speaking with you from Boston, Massachusetts. It's 9:30 uh, here in the morning. It's uh, it's actually a bright and sunny morning, um, and I, I gather um, quite a few of our listeners are from top business schools in in India. So thanks to all of you for taking time out this evening to to join us, and and everyone else is tuned in. So uh, I mean, yeah, you know, in fact.
0: So, you, you mentioned you, you've been a start, you've started many companies, right? So, would request you if you can talk about your journey right from your schooling days, because I remember uh, you mentioning me earlier that you were born in Armenia and have traveled all over the world. So, if you could just touch base on that.
1: Yeah, happy to. Um, uh, so, perhaps I can start with a bit of a personal background. Uh, not, not least to give some context to the word globetrotting in the podcast title, which, uh, which you've neatly weaved in, Rushab. Uh So I'm, I'm Armenian. Um, I was actually born in Iran, uh, moved to London, England at the age of 11 uh, with my family, uh, spent my formative years in London, went to school, college uh, and university. I uh, obtained a bachelor's in computer science um, and a master's in enterprise systems development. I worked at the world-renowned Royal Botanical Gardens Kew uh, for a year um, before heading to the city of London uh, to join the world of fintech. I uh, worked there for four years on several pioneering projects um, at various postings even as far as Joburg in South Africa. Uh, then through good fortune and, I guess, deliberate steps, I, uh, I migrated yet again westwards, this time to New York City. Uh, continued working for uh, the London-based fintech for another three years. And uh, it was around 2014 um, that I started getting the entrepreneurial itch, so to speak, and co-founded Fastfin with uh, my then and current uh, co-founder, Richard Leader. Uh, our first set of projects were in Brazil, funnily enough. Uh, so we we you know moved down to Brazil. Uh, we traversed various investment banks. Initially, it was meant to be for three months, and then it just went on and on. You know, we we did a string of uh, short innovation projects, and uh, it all culminated in the uh, the release of the first robo advisor in Latin America. So a very fruitful. Uh, productive period in in, in Brazil. Uh, then after almost two years, we, we moved back to New York uh, where we continued helping Tier 1 and Tier 2 financial institutions with their, their innovation, short-burst innovation projects and digital transformation projects. And it was during that period that we uh, also co-founded FX Hedgeable with with our other Co-founder and CEO Jay Moore, um, and uh, I've, I've been based in Boston since January this year. Moved up here earlier um, in, in January, so yeah. If, I, if I've counted my continents correctly, that's uh, that's five continents I've worked and lived in. Wow, that's awesome, uh, Evan. So the is I mean, for go- you. When are you going to Antarctica? <laughs> 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 well, we'll see how global warming progresses, Chashank. Maybe soon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's true.
0: <laughs> so, so I mean, if I if I heard you correctly, you mentioned Q Gardens, and I was I was wondering that I, I was having a conversation with an engineer and a technologist, and not a
1: gardener. So, <laughs> what it is all about? Right. Uh, well, well spotted. So, um. You know, my, my entire my entire career has been in fintech, apart from this delightful blip at Kew. Um, but, by the way, for those who aren't familiar, Kew is a botanical garden, which means, you know, you can walk around and see plants from all, all corners of the world. It's uh, also an internationally important research and education facility. So if you're ever in London, do visit. It's a terrific place. Uh, so when you when you think of a garden, obviously you think of men in caps and shovels planting trees, and of course, plenty of that happens at Kew Gardens but what was eye opening for me uh back in two thousand and six seven was the everything from you know servicing computers to DNA sequencing of plant seeds uh, quite advanced uh stuff so as part of my master's degree thesis i i got involved with the millennium seed bank project which is headed by q uh think of noah's ark for seeds the idea being you safeguard as many seeds as humanly possible uh inside an underground bunker flood proof bomb proof so that you know in in the event of a catastrophic um event uh you know we could tap into that bank of seeds and, and restart civilization, essentially. So you know, de- these seeds were, were meant to be stored for a uh, hundred plus years. So the way I got involved was, was that my, my task, my thesis for the master's degree was to build an AI based tool that would help predict the best conditions to grow and test the seeds. Before they stored it for hundred years, because it would be no use to tap into the to the bank uh, only to find rotten rotten seeds. So, um, you know, my my project was was to essentially build that tool, and I did it. It was successful. So they they asked me to join them for another another twelve months or so to to help complete the project, make it production grade. Um, but yeah, my, my heart was always in the city. So after about you know a year, I uh, I, I moved to uh, to to the city of London. Interesting, that's,
0: that's the year. So, so I mean, uh, you know, since last one year or, or so, I think the, in my vocabulary, when I hear the word seed, uh, I only, uh, in my mind, it strikes as seed funding, you know. But <laughs> after a long time, I'm uh, seeing the <laughs> word called seed bank, yes,
1: yeah, absolutely. It's fascinating stuff. It's, it's, um, yeah, check it out. It's called Millennium Seed Bank, and I think since 2000, there's been another. Similar project in in Norway, I think. Um, another sort of nuclear flood, something-proof bunker has been built into the into the uh, sort of rock bed. Um, yeah, yeah, in, I think in, that's
2: the the. It's called the vault,
1: the vault or something, right? Right, the vault. That's the yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
0: so I mean, uh, but uh, how I mean, so far in my in my knowledge, I was only thinking, uh, when it comes to gardening, it's all about. Uh, flowers, seeds, and fertilizers, and all those things. But what was the usage of data science there? I mean, if you can
1: just elaborate a bit more. Yeah, happy to. Um, Well, they have a division called the Life Sciences uh, Department, which is responsible for for most of the research that takes place. And, uh, you know, with the advent of DNA sequencing, with the advent of, you know, data science they they were able to a understand plants better um, understand how to safeguard plants how to potentially uh, modify them genetically to withstand the 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 changing climates and you know you asked about data um, that there was a lot of information that would come in from from the field and I'm talking specifically and now about the project I was involved in uh, you know people would go out there um, around the world uh, gathering seeds uh, from from different parts of the world and sometimes you know those seeds were, were rare and, and, and the plants would almost be extinct. so they would do a lot of data gathering using, Uh, geolocation so uh, the day uh, day of the year that it was that the seed was found and collected uh, the temperature the soil acidity uh, longitude latitude elevation etc etc and all of that information would be fed back to the life sciences team and we we were sat on a fairly sizable uh, chunk of data that that we started to use as part of this ai driven tool uh, to to build the um the, the sort of the prediction models um and and as you as i am sure everyone knows you know DNA sequencing throws out quite a lot of data as well so you know at, at that point back in two thousand six and seven uh Q was you know generating terabytes of data um well, well before we could even sort of start getting into the uh the, the cloud business. Um, you know the the team had a sizable server room where where all of all of this data was stored and processed. That's that's quite interesting. I mean, but
0: then uh, uh, you were doing fairly well out there, uh, but still you wanted to you moved out. I mean, you joined a financial world, right? Financial industry, so to speak. So yeah. what led you to make those choices?
1: Yeah. So. Um... It's, it's always easier to look back and connect the dots and I think it's a useful exercise for everyone to do that it's it's almost like a you know um kind of a retrospective that we that we have for agile projects but you kind of do it for yourself and looking back um you know that i i suppose it, my my heart was always in in the city right and uh it was just something about. Uh, you know, something about the skyscrapers, the way people dressed and the way they pounded the pavements, it just felt so energizing for me. So, you know, I was always drawn to the, to the city and, you know, being a computer scientist, I, I thought, you know, FinTech combining financial, uh, finance and technology could be an interesting scene to, to get into. So, uh, you know, I was having a great time at Q doing a lot of meaningful work, um, but, you know, after about 11 months, I started to, you know, I'd successfully completed the project. So I started looking for positions in, in, in the city. So I applied to a few positions, um, got got a few offers, um, and I narrowed them down to two. One of them, Kaplan Systems, a pioneering fintech. And another was an online gaming slash gambling company. Um, so, you know, at, at, at the same time, it, these sort of, uh, well i'd say that you know um i was always again gravitated towards the city so the, the the fintech company just felt perfect for me um but at the same time the 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 online gamification of of gambling was was the rage back in 2005 around that period so these companies were making a lot of money and the salary was great um and so being fresh and green out of university i was attracted to the bigger salary so, you know, I'd been sitting on the fence for a few days and my recruiter, Billy, uh, called me actually while I was on the Met line. Um, and so uh, we had just pulled into Wembley Park Station. I, I remember this vividly. Uh, so I jumped off the train onto the platform and uh, Billy and I spoke for a few minutes and he said, look, you've, you've got to make a decision because um, they're, they're waiting for your answer. And the way he put it there, next, he said, look, I Emin." Mean, do you want to develop online gambling games for the rest of your life? Or do you want to go to the city and work with the big boys? And, and you know, well, that, that's what I'd always wanted to do anyway. So I went for the fintech company. And, you know, looking back, if if it wasn't for that decision, um, you know, that, that clear fork in the road, uh, I, I doubt I'd be here speaking with you guys. Wow. <laughs> so,
2: I mean, uh, if I have to summarize, it was like... Uh initially i mean was like save the humanity and then i mean move on to save myself actually before humanity <laughs> <laughs>
1: well i am you know that's why i said it was a delightful blip in in my career um you know i think it, it's it's a really noble project and um you know what what i think what's called a bit of a tangent i think what's um amazing about technology is that you can apply it to so many different things um and and there are just so many new frontiers opening up we, you know we we've seen with the whole pandemic situation how you know advances in mRNA and AI and etc have accelerated um drug discovery for instance uh so yeah i think that that's just you know so many noble fields that that you can go into uh, but yeah shashank i think you, you did summarize it fairly <laughs> So, so, I mean, uh, what made you uh, travel to New
0: York? I mean, you mentioned you wanted to have a city life. But but now that you look back, uh, are there any defining moments in your journey that you think that you would want to travel so
1: much and explore all these different places? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about kind of defining moments, I guess. Uh, you know, that, that sort of decision between, you know, to, to go into fintech was a defining moment. Um, you know having worked um, in sort of five continents um, i I guess you know you know move, moving to move, moving to new york was was an important step for me um, you know living and working in five continents uh, has, has has been really um, kind of an immigrant story if you will um, and I'm sure if you if you study immigration carefully you'll find that you know it's it's fundamentally entrepreneurial in the sense that you you know you've got to be innovative so you know in other words when you're continually in the midst of change um you know you've got to be good at adapting uh, so yeah i think you know experience of going through um, you know from one place to another adapting to new cultures languages challenges it it really sharpens the the very skills um that are quite useful for for becoming resilient and resourceful as an entrepreneur. So you know, I, I moved to New York uh, because I, I felt like I, I wanted that sort of next frontier, um, and and sort of to to, to and, and and also I, I must say there was just something about um, America, and I think everyone could probably probably relate to this. Uh, I, I certainly can um that that sort of draws you it, it feels like the you know as, as, as the saying go, goes it's the land of opportunity and um you, know, you feel like if you if you kind of make it here you can make it um anywhere um, and, that, and there are songs about that in fact about new york city so you know for me it was um kind of the, the, the next step really um uh, that, I, that i felt uh quite motivated and driven to to take well wow. So, so, I mean, uh,
0: you mentioned that uh, you uh, got an entrepreneur bug in 2014. So, mm. why did you become an entrepreneur when you had a cushy job, doing it very well, you were going places, what led you to decide uh, and start up on your own?
1: Mm. It, it's so funny, you, you use the word cushy, because that's exactly uh, what my friends told me back in 2014, when, when I was kind of, you know, talking to them and bouncing ideas off of, off of them. And I said, look guys, I'm, I'm about to quit. And they were like, you are mad. You know, you've got this great position in New York city. Um, and, uh, why are you taking this risky leap? Uh, so, you know, I've always been, I've always had strong opinions. I think it's fair to say about how businesses should be run. Um, yeah, those opinions come from who I am as a person, of course, but also the good, the bad, and frankly, the ugly that I've seen, um, having worked in many different places. So, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, it, it really gives you a blank canvas where you can express your vision and ideas of what what an ideal company should should be like. Um, And that's an incredibly fulfilling experience. So, you know, again, having seen how brilliant leaders set out crystal clear vision and drive their teams to big wins. uh, Also, having seen toxic management uh, paralyzing an otherwise talented team. um, You know, I wanted to apply these lessons um, to, to a company from scratch. So you know, that, that's kind of the philosophical reasoning behind it. And uh, practically, well, back in 2014, there were a confluence of factors in, in financial technology, uh, where it felt like um, there was a clear opportunity for a nimble and fast and uh, technologically unbiased uh, sort of boutique fintech consultancy. So, you know, those were some of the sort of philosophical reasons and, and the practical reason why why i you know struck out with uh with my co-founder to start then. so
2: well uh, i mean i want to add on that like what was the uh like what made you actually switch like i'm sure you had this thought for long enough you thought about it but what was that one thing or a few things which actually made you that like, okay now is the time to go about it and uh do it
1: mm. Well, um, the industry, uh, well, A, I'd been doing, doing the, the that work for almost eight years by that point. So I, I knew that I could do the work and do it well. Uh, I was committed, you know, would wake up four in the morning, jump on a plane, go up to Canada for a day trip to do consultancy and come back. So, you know, I knew how to do the work. I was driven and had the energy. And I'd got to a point where I had the experience as well, uh, the contacts, and uh, so so that, that those were a number of reasons. Then you know, the, I suppose the thing that was uh, probably most defining was the fact that at that point I didn't have responsibilities beyond to myself, and so I felt like the timing was good. You know, it's that sweet spot of knowing how to do the work. Uh, knowing the industry, having the contacts, and, um, and 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 essentially, you know, having let's say a bit of funds put aside where you know you can sustain yourself for for a period of time. Uh, so I think a few things have to align, uh, but also you know have finding um, a, a great co-founder. You know, at that point, Richard and I had, wor- had worked together for seven years. We we knew each other well. Um You know three years in New York running the North American operation, so you know there there's just a confluence of factors that that made it um made made it possible but of course you've you've got to take that leap of faith you know there's there's an element of risk, nothing is guaranteed uh, but you can take calculated risks right if you sit there on a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle, put the pros and cons, and if the pros outweigh the cons. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that it's risk-free, but you know, you've got a pretty good chance of of making it happen.
2: So, so this was pretty well planned, I, if I have to say that. Like, uh, it took years, and then you build the network, you build the uh, your own confidence that now is the now is the time, and then you went into it. But it was not something like you just decided on of them uh, that I have to do it now. So. Mm-hmm. That,
1: yeah. No, no, absolutely. Spot on, uh, Shashank. I, th- I think, I, you know, I'm, I'm quite conservative in that sense. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I do take, take risks. Uh, life is a risk. <laughs> you know, you just cross the street, that's a risk. But, um, you know, you, you can take calculated risks. I think it's important to to think carefully about it and not just strike out, uh, because then at that point, you're just gambling, right? Um, yeah. so, so there there is well- some th- few steps i think that you can take which frankly are quite common sense for instance um you know put a bit of money aside um to 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 sustain your lifestyle for at least 12 months um you know in my experience you need a bit more because you know you go through your your business and and the first few months are a bit of bit of a trial and error even though you've you've planned as well as you can you you know you go to the market and sometimes they they want something different or there are delays in 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 building the product, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, there are a few things that you can put in place that, that you know, uh, improve the chances of success. Uh, you know, I think these, the stats on startups is, uh, is, is pretty dismal. Uh, I think nine out of 10 or something insane like that, nine out of 10 startups fail in the first 12 months. And I, I'm pretty sure that's because of people just saying, all right, let's, let's try it out. Um, whereas starting a business is actually very difficult. So you've got to plan ahead. Hmm. I think, I mean, you made an interesting point here. Uh, so, uh, so
0: you planned it very well, right? But execution is very important, right? I mean, uh, it's like uh, many times we have seen on this show as well where students are asking these questions that I have an idea, right? But somebody else also, what if somebody else steals that idea, right? But, but everything boils down to execution. So uh, can you share any specific challenges that you also face? Because though you had planned everything properly, but still, there must be some challenges that you faced in your journey.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, quite a few, actually. Um, it would probably take um, it would probably take a whole podcast to uh, to go through them. Yeah, the journey starts out with a ton of excitement, um, and then you realize that it's very hard work. Um, that that's when it really helps to to actually have a co-founder and or a mental but you know it's important not to give up you know keep keep an eye on the bigger picture if you still think you're onto something good then keep going um but if if it's clear that actually this isn't what you should be doing and and, then there is no need for your idea or it's it's a marginally better idea than something else then of course you've got to pull the plug and maybe pivot uh that that's really important too um I think what happens generally is uh, what, you know, I think what, what helps is, is putting aside, because uh, you, you ask about challenges, right? And you're going you, to come across challenges almost every day, right? that there's just nothing new about that in the life of an entrepreneur. But what, what has helped me, and this is something that, that I had to practice at and, and get better at, because it, I don't think it necessarily comes naturally to everyone. Is to be able to put your um, ego aside. You know, I, I've, I've always said to to everyone in the team, um, you know, put 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 your ego aside. Just hang it outside the office before you step in, right? And and that way you can approach challenges with a clear and open mind. Um, that's especially useful when you're collaborating with others. Uh, I think you know, ego and emotion. Uh, clouds your judgment and and it stops you from being able to approach challenges in a lucid and and impartial way. So, yeah, I mean, you know, lots of challenges that I've come across, uh, it will take forever to to, to go through them. But the point is, uh, expect them, deal with them and, you know, expect another one. I think you you
0: made it, uh, you made a good point, Evan, and uh, I could, I could clearly imagine Shashank accepting and nodding his head on all the statements that you made, mm-hmm.
2: so because he also goes through the grind, I'm sure on a regular basis, right? So, uh, so me and mean have chatted quite a few times about these kind of stuff, and uh, and uh, like Emin's philosophy and my philosophy are pretty much aligned on a lot of stuff, actually, like how to run a company, how to empower employees, and how to actually about the ego stuff. We talked about the respect. Uh, so I mean, like a, I'm like I mean, it's like a few steps ahead of me on like how to establish a company and how to build a company. And I'm uh, keenly looking forward to uh, build something, uh, an old, almost like what I has done.
1: That's very, very, very kind and generous. Shashank. I think you're, you're definitely downplaying your, your success. I think, uh, you know, again, just to echo, echo your, your words, uh, you know, you, you and i are definitely on the same wavelength when it comes to the philosophy of, of, you know, Business and and people, I think probably more importantly. Um, and you know, having been neighbours at the World Trade Center for, for, for a few years, we've, we've enjoyed conversations uh, about all of this.
2: Yeah, but, I think like the people are one. Like I just want to add on that. Like is the I value people a lot, and I see the same with you. Is that like if you have a good set of people and loyal people with you, and you take care of them, they take care of you. I mean, you will find some space in the market where you will survive and then thrive after that but you need to have this set of people who will stick with you when the times are tough and if you are uh, uh, pardon my French there, like if you're an asshole, they are going to quit as soon as the hit something bad and they would be not there with the company and you have seen those examples, you have seen the example where uh, we were before so (laughs) so yeah, I mean uh, treating people with respect is very one of the key things there
1: absolutely i couldn't agree more so so i mean before we open the floor
0: uh you know for for students also to interact with you uh i'd like to ask you one question that you've been an entrepreneur for a few years now so would you recommend this to others and as a follow-up how does it compare to being an employee because you've traveled both the worlds
1: yeah um i've got to answer this carefully because i don't want to Sort of necessarily push anyone to become an entrepreneur um, let, let me put it this way I, I wouldn't have it any other way um, now that that's not to say that being an employee isn't highly rewarding it is uh, especially with corporations uh, encouraging intrapreneurship um, indeed I was an employee for for eight years uh, but, but there's something about experience of building and creating an entity from scratch, uh, architecting a, a group, if you will, uh, which is incredibly demanding and rewarding at the same time, uh, which is quite unique to being a founder. Um, so, you know, if you have an idea that will make the world around you better, uh, if you have the energy and the drive uh, if you have the funds, uh, really important to have the funds to sustain yourself for a period of time, I think 18 months, 24 months to be conservative. Uh, you know, if you have little responsibilities other than to yourself, uh, basically no family and kids, uh, although that's not um, a showstopper by any means, of course, it just means. That, that, you know, you need to make sure that you have additional funds to sustain your, your family as well. That, that's essentially what it boils down to. Um, and also understanding that, you know, you'll be spending a lot of time on the company. But, you know, it, um, then if, if all these things align, uh, and of course, you have a good idea. That goes without saying you have the network. Then go for it. Strike out on your own and, uh, you know, make the world a better place. Why not? Uh, I mean, you mentioned so on, about on the family stuff. I just wanted to add
2: mm. there, like on the family stuff. I mean, like uh, like my wife works, so it actually gives me a little bit more cushion. So it it can be to your advantage also if you have a supportive family
1: mm. that
2: uh, you can become an entrepreneur because there is a strong support behind the scene, which uh, not many people look at it or see. But uh, family can be of advantage also.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that's, that's spot on Shashank. And, um, you know, I think, I think having that support network, whether it's, you know, wife or husband or kids or, or, you know, parents or, or even close friends and, 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 um, uh, mentors, you know, it's really important to to stay close to, to your to your group because, again, your your journey will be full of challenges. You you may feel lonely at points, but to have that group as an outlet, as as a as a sounding board for for ideas, is is extremely useful. And you know, Shashank, you put it well.
0: You also mentioned about the culture, right? I mean, managing people. Shashank uh, did touch base on this point as well earlier. So, uh, I mean, culture is very important for a company's success. So what kind of culture do you try to foster in your teams?
1: Uh, yeah, so, yeah, culture is vital, really, um, especially as you scale, scale a company. Um, I think you can break break this down into subgroups. Uh, it's kind of easy, I guess, to answer, answer it that way. Um, you know, culture of how uh, the company you, you kind of have two cultures. You have the culture of how people treat each other and also culture of how people work. So, you know, you want to create an environment where people can feel safe and motivated to do their best work. Um, a place that gives everyone a sense of community and purpose, uh, working for the collective, uh, treating each other with respect, uh, both inside the organization, amongst colleagues, and outside, treating clients with respect and and uh, dignity. So, you know, an, an environment where everyone uh, you know, if you can, if you can foster that, I think then you can you can create an environment where everyone feels like they can do their best work. Uh, where, and also <clears throat> speaking of best work, you know, I'm I'm a stickler for quality. I, I enjoy quality things, whether it's it's a product or a service. It really does delight me. So I think you've you've got to instill the sense of quality in in the in the culture of the company. So it's part of the DNA, and uh, you know, so on and so forth. Um, I, I think what's important to realize uh, overall is, you know, is, is that culture is the, is the glue that keeps the team together um, at, at when when the t- times are tough, um, and and also it's it's kind of the north star, if you will, that that guides the company as it scales, right, as the company grows beyond that initial founding group of let's say 10 or 20 and you begin to scale and become a, a medium-sized company and, and and then grow further it's it's kind of the culture that that you know binds everyone together but also it it's kind of you know gives gives everyone that that moral compass the quality compass etc etc um that 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 guides the team because you know guess what the founders can't be there every single day uh, you know, managing every piece piece of the company. So it's important for for you know, m- you know, attracting good good talent, maintaining good talent, and scaling the company.
2: Mm. I mean, uh, who are uh, who are the leaders or uh, entrepreneurs or any any people who have actually inspired you? And you look uh, towards their life, or I mean, could be who are present today or from the past. Who are the people who have inspired you?
1: Wow. Um, so many, really, um, from, from different walks of life. Uh, so, uh, you know, even at a family level, um, you know, one, one. one so I, I have a I have a dear uncle who, who has a successful business and he, he does. He has this kind of um, thing that he does where, you know, he brings in interns they work for him for, you know, 15, 20 years because they love working there. But at some point they feel like they want to spread their wings and 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 sort of strike out on their own. You know, he he's never ever been bitter about that. If anything, he's encouraged them and actually gives them a, a small grant and sent to start the business and sends them work. So he sort of takes away work from his own company and sends work for the for these sort of. Uh, for, for, for his um, the, the person who's leaving the company just to get them started. And I always found growing up that to be a really wonderful um, thing to do and a human thing to do. So, and I'm delighted to say we've done that once before at, at Fast Thin. So that's kind of, you know, I've got a few more examples on the family front. Um, you know, more in, in the realm of, you know, household names, again, from different domains. I, I love, uh, you know, technology, but also design and architecture. Uh, I think if I hadn't done computer science, I would have been an architect. Um, so, you know, architects like uh, Norman Foster and, and, and um, Lord Foster and um, Frank Gehry, I, I love sort of, you know, reading or watching what, what they do all the time. Um, Dieter Rams, uh, one of the fathers of industrial design, who, you know, influenced quite a bit of what uh, johnny ives did at apple in fact uh johnny ives his his work big big fan of of, of that um you know apple of course Steve jobs and and what what he did transforming the uh the, the sort of the the, the you know, personal computing world um more recently you know i think the likes of uh, sort of Jeff Bezos, and I know there's been sort of mixed, mixed sort of feelings about some of the things that it, that that he's been doing recently. But you know, I, I don't think you can take away the fact that he has built a colossal, um, you know, company from from nothing, and that that is no mean feat. Um, you know, others like Elon Musk, of course, you know these these incredible propeller heads who just seem to be. You know, running on a nuclear power station where they're just continually working and churning out these incredibly life-changing, world-changing ideas. So, you know, I can I can go on and on. But I think what what's I think what's important is not to focus narrowly on one type of leader, and you know, have a good mix, a good spectrum of kind of you know, very practical, innovative, um, hard-driving leaders, all the way to more sort of philosophical uh, leaders. And, and sort of if you read and follow uh, a, a wide spectrum of, of them, then, you know, th- there's a lot to be learned
2: there. Yeah, I'm glad I asked this question. It's a pretty good set of people, actually, and very diverse set of people, actually. And you can see how I can personally see that, how it has transformed you into the leader you are. Uh, it's pretty good, pretty great list. I'm, I'm going to write that down,
1: actually. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I
2: mean, uh, there are a few questions
0: that uh, that are there in the chat box, and I'll read uh, uh, for you. And uh, so, Ashi is asking, "What do you think is the most important factor while starting something on your own?"
1: Um, well, there are quite a few factors. Um, it, it also depends on your business idea, of course. Right? Yeah. I can't really give a blanket kind of answer to that you know if you're um yeah so so with 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 that said i think there's a few things that that are important um you know having uh having a good idea right that that's of course important uh testing the idea to make sure that it's not one of those you know build it and people will come uh, because that could be an expensive mistake um having the skills um, to, to do the work. Uh, I think it's, it's useful to work uh, for, for someone before you strike out on, on your own. Um, so make sure you've got a few years of experience on, under your belt. Um, on that specifically, I think what's helpful is to work for a spectrum of companies. Um, so a small company where you can be close to the various departments in in a company where you can get a taste of product and sales and marketing and PR and finance, et cetera, but also a large organization where you can see how uh, a well-oiled machine uh, like Amazon, for instance, works, you know, the the, the incredible operations that are in place, the processes and the procedures. So, you know, you, 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 at that point, you're going to have a well-rounded understanding of how a business works and you can take all of that, and fold it into your own business um having a good net network you know start networking start early and keep keep doing it um he this uh, sort of cliche your your network is your net worth um as it's as it's always said uh, and there's truth in that right because if you're if you're working in isolation and you come up with this brilliant idea but you can't get it out there um, then it's just going to sit on the shelf and become an academic study. It's not going to be uh, helpful to, to anyone. So you've got to be able to network and use that network to, to spread your ideas and monetize it at some point. Um, be able to hire, right? I mean, we, um, you know, another important department of a company is HR, human resources. You've got to be able to initially um, hire the right talent for the right position, be able to maintain um, your talent and also be able to empower them to, to help you scale and grow the company as you become more and more successful. So, yeah, I, you know, I can't give a single word answer, unfortunately, to that. So just bear in mind that a company has, it's, it's a little bit like the human body, right? It has a number of vital organs and, and you need to be aware of each one of them and, you know, you don't need to be an expert at every single thing. In my opinion, you, you need to be really good at, um, at, at the product, right, and product slash service and the sales. Um, and the rest you can kind of, you know, outsource to trusted parties and, you know, eventually over time as you scale, bring them back in-house, um, but again, you know, you don't have to be an expert in sales and products. Like when we when we co-founded Fastfin, you know, I was the the the, the person who could build the product and um, to to sort of click to create this very sort of you know uh, coarse grained division, if you will. Uh, I, I could create the product product in the sense that I could sit there, and design it, and build it, and code it, and release it. And Richard was really really good at um evangelizing and selling it um you know at a wide network across different different countries and continents so you know you don't have to be an expert in in all of this you in that, and that's where having one or two co-founders is is incredibly useful
0: true true uh, so we have pankaj on the speaker panel pankaj please uh, go ahead with your question yeah, so the question I had was, so I just wanted to know that how did you overcome your financial challenges? I mean, and how did you actually adjust to not having a steady paycheck for the initial years of starting out?
1: Thank you for the question. So um, if 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 I may, I'm going to answer that question more broadly um, with, with a view on kind of funding. Um, so... It, it really depends, again, on your business, right? If you're, if you're getting started with a B2C idea, um, then maybe all you need is a few thousand dollars. Uh, whereas if you're, you know, if you're competing with Tesla, then, of course, you're going to need a massive amount of capital. Uh, so it depends on your business. Um, so you know, let, let me kind of take a step back again and, and sort of tie this back to why I became an entrepreneur. I, I struck out um, b- because I had strong I had strong opinions on how to do things, and rightly or wrongly, uh, you know, we've been able to do to do that to do what we saw fit because um, we, we're still privately funded uh, and 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 owed. So you know, when you when you take a large amount of funding and you take it too early, uh, you know, you give away a lot, but also you lose control sometimes you know you've got investors who breathe down your neck inhibit your expression as a founder and um you know they can become backseat drivers so to speak so you know back to your question um specifically around uh, funds and you know how, how do you strike out i think you know if you can save a bit of money uh enough to sustain yourself and your dependents, um as well as enough for the business of course. Uh, then, then you you've, you've got a chance of bootstrapping the company. Uh, then, when the time is right, consider getting outside funding. Of course, that's when you can you know really scale. And you know, I can tell you, it's it's never been a better time. Uh, there's there's just so much dry powder, there's so much money out there looking for great investment opportunities. That you know, if you've got a good idea that that's been proven, you know, ideally with a couple of um, you know clients paying clients under your belt then then you can get funding but um you know for me personally, when I sat down and thought about striking out, I was adamant that I did not want to um drastically change my lifestyle you know I was living in New York um in the city uh you know going out for dinners with friends and et cetera et cetera so basically you know it wasn't exactly chips and beans. Uh, back, back in the student days. And I didn't want to lose that that, that lifestyle because I thought um, that, that it would potentially uh, exasperate the whole sort of journey of, of being an entrepreneur. So you know, I sat down and did the math, essentially, uh, how much am I spending on rent every month? How much am I spending on other stuff? Um, come up with a monthly outgoing, multiply it by uh, 12 minimum. So you've got you know, twelve months worth of fuel in the tank. If even if you you know do nothing, uh, you you can sustain yourself for a whole year. Um, you know what 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 we found in Fastfin actually is that it took eighteen months, um, because you know we we tried a couple of different ideas, and, and so it took a bit longer for, for the business to to kind of start paying for it, for itself. So you know, there's kind of two pots you have to think about. One part is the personal one where you, you sustain yourself and your dependence. And the other one is the, 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 the company, right? And again, depending on the business type, it could be very little, could be um, a lot. Um, but just make sure you do that because, you know, if, if you're under financial stress midway through your entrepreneurial journey, you start to get nervous, understandably. And, you know, that starts to cloud your judgment. You start to make bad decisions. And, and you know, before you know it, you, things could unravel or or you're forced to go and get funding uh, with, without, you know, wanting to. So, yeah, th- th- those are some of the experiences I've had, and uh, you know I think that that the, you know, served us okay so far.
0: Wow, that was an interesting one. I mean,
1: <laughs> glad, but glad but you too, were yeah.
0: close to it. You you planned for twelve months, and you were you, you know in in the, in the practical sense, it took eighteen months. So you were we were close to it, but otherwise, in the in the startup world, you never know, right? It might take a little longer as well.
1: Well, I, I was actually conservative. I actually put it put aside twenty four months personally. Wow. Um, yeah. So I'm. I'm again. i You know. I like taking risks, but I take them when I know there's at least a little bit of a safety net, so I don't sort of you know fall flat on my face. Um, so yeah, I put aside twelve months um but yeah, you know you can do that if you work and that's the benefit of working for someone else you know, you know not only you learn a lot but also you you can put a bit of money aside to to use as fuel for for when you strike out yeah true
0: ashi you can please pose your question next you're on mute if at all you're talking ashi
3: hey guys so um, Should I go ahead?
0: Yeah, yeah, Anshul, go ahead, please.
3: All right, so I'm currently, you know, being, uh, working at a startup. And like most startups, there's a very flat structure. But at the same time, you know, uh, how do I get into uh, the structured way of working and at the same time not uh, become uh, monotonous about my work?
1: Uh could could I ask? Thanks for the question. Could I just ask uh, how long have you been working um, out of school, university? It's
3: been about a year.
1: Yeah, so that that's a thanks again for the question. That that's a very common uh, thread. Uh, I I felt it myself. So um, indeed, I felt it uh, as I was transitioning from school to college to university. Uh, you know, you go through these. Um, very structured, regimented periods of your life where you have a syllabus and you have a marking scheme. And if you do A, B, C, you're going to get this score. It's just very, very simple. And you, you you, you go in at a certain time, you finish at a certain time. So it's very regimented, right? And as you progress from school to college to university, that becomes less and less regimented. So actually some people find the transition to university the first year, uh, quite a challenge because all of that structure has pretty much gone away. And now, uh, I'm talking about sort of a three or four year bachelor's and, and now you've got to be self, uh, disciplined and reliant and sort of, you know, if you have maybe five or six classes per, per week, the rest, you've got to spend, um, Studying yourself. And that, that's a, it's a challenge um, to, to transition to that. And it's very similar to the world of work. When you leave university, uh, still quite structured, then you land in a startup where things are always in a state of flux, right? Um, you're not pigeonholed into a, a very specific um, position where you've got a wrench and you've got to tighten the screw all day long. You have a lot of um, a lot of kind of space, effectively, to to almost create your own role in, in in some startups. So that can be a challenge. I would say look at it as an opportunity. Um, you know, one one of the sort of the the fintech I joined in London, Kaplan Systems. When I joined, I think we were about forty people, right, and we grew to about one hundred and twenty, uh, maybe one hundred and thirty, which is when I left in two thousand fourteen. It was an incredibly uh, fluid uh, kind of team. Uh, you know, the, the company actually encouraged rotation. So you would find a developer um, you know, one week working on back-end development of a, of a permissioning subsystem. The next week, they might be working on a pre-sales uh, uh project uh helping the, the the business development team to sell something the next week they would be on frontline support et etc et etc so see this as an opportunity try to get as close as you can to each of the departments right as we touched on product sales uh finance legal p r creative et etc cetera, etc cetera. learn a little bit about each of them and uh, and also uh, think about the kind of work you want to be doing because in a startup you can try and shape your own role to a certain degree by by asking to do certain things um you know i i started as started out as a back-end developer um, and then i asked to be a front-end developer so they they transitioned me to front-end development then i said guys i, I really want to work in sales for a bit they said okay well you can do technical sales then um so I did that for a little bit all the while working and getting closer and closer to uh finance and marketing etc starting to attend conferences and help set up booths with, for for the company um you know so again don't worry too much about the lack of structure see it actually as an opportunity to get close to uh the these important departments that you otherwise wouldn't in a highly structured hierarchical and rigid uh, organization that's you know very mature and maybe has fifty thousand employees. You just you have no chance in even you know brushing uh, uh, the shoulders with with someone from marketing because they're probably sat you know in a different building altogether. So yeah, see it as an opportunity. Um, hope hope that helps.
3: Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, can I ask a follow up question as well?
0: Please, please go ahead, Anshul.
3: So. Uh, just like you mentioned, uh, to explore different departments, but at the same time, you know, there's always so much going on in a startup that uh, you can't actually explore a lot of things uh, outside your own realm. So how do how 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 can I go about that?
1: Yeah, well, time put in more time. Simple as that. Um, you know, you can see it as extracurricular. I, I remember this occasion. It was a Friday evening um i was still in the office at it's probably 11 p.m and it was just me and i didn't realize there was anyone else there um and and our ceo and founder paul paul kaplan actually came to me and he said emin what are you still doing here? it's a friday evening go and enjoy yourself and you know i was sat there engrossed in you know reading about what what the sort of business development team Team was 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 doing with um, you know with with various clients and you know the pre-sales work that they were getting involved in and this was before I even got involved with that particular department. Now I, I was very fortunate that the company was quite open and transparent about a, a lot of these things, um, so there was you know opportunities to to essentially read about uh, you know various aspects of the company. But yeah, you're right. I mean. You know, in a startup, you're given a lot of work to do, um, and that's how you know you you accelerate your learning. Um, but you know, weekends I, I used to work weekends all the time. Um, again, extracurricular, would read about what the marketing team was doing. I would uh, read about the industry generally. Um, so yeah, I think frankly, it just comes down to um, uh, you know uh, ma- making additional time to do uh, over and above what what your uh, you know, quote, unquote, quote unquote what your day job is.
3: Uh, so thank you so much for that so yeah, my I, mean,
0: pleasure. I think it, it was an uh, you know uh, we had asked you for an hours of your time and but before you leave i think i would like to ask you one last question is about the advice that you would like to give to the uh, student community who's, who's listening to you live right, uh, about getting into entrepreneurship or or anything
1: Yes, happy to, and it's it's been a delight to uh, to speak with you all, and um, thanks for thanks for the questions. Um, well, I I just say that whatever you do, there's going to be ups and downs, um, but just try every day to make the world around you a little bit better, uh, and if you can do that, then you're you're a success. Um, also. I feel quite strongly about this. We touched on it a bit earlier. Um, you know, once you have a team, treat them well. Uh, you know, the way I see it is, you know, everyone in, in the team is someone's son or daughter, someone's father or mother. Essentially, everyone of them is loved. So, yeah, treat them in the same way. Treat them well, with respect and dignity. Um, because, you know, when they finish work, they go back home. to their personal life and if if they've had a good time a fun time an engaging time at work and they haven't had to worry about this toxic environment then they will be in a better state of mind for their family and friends so that that's really important um uh, now uh, that you may kind of feel like this this next one is a bit of a contradiction um but again it's really important uh But don't hesitate to dismiss anyone either. So, you know, I'm a a firm believer in always giving people uh, several chances and supporting them, training them, helping them to improve. But if you no longer see that person fit into your team, uh, then you have to dismiss them. You have a responsibility to your company, to your team, but also to the person in question, actually, because, you know, if they're not performing, then, then they're probably having a miserable time. Uh, working in that position or in the company, so uh, I think it's important to bear that in mind as well. I think a lot of entrepreneurs could sometimes shy away from from that. Um, I, I you know I can go on and on and uh, but but I, I just to to close, I suppose I would say just just go out there and make the world a better place, whatever you choose to do.
0: Wow, I mean, I think uh, it was lovely speaking to you. And thank you, thank you for your time. You have a long day ahead and thank you for taking out time, uh, you know, in the early part of your day.
1: My pleasure. And I'm wishing all the, uh, especially the students who, um, who, who tuned in, wishing you all a successful, um, you know, and, and to your studies and anyone who's, who's currently just, you know, sort of working at startups and, or, or an entrepreneur, um, you know, wishing you guys all the very best. Um, and and uh, looking forward to hopefully speaking with all of you at some point soon.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Amin.
1: Thanks, Thanks. guys. Bye-bye. Thank you, Amin.
0: Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Thank you to all our listeners, guys. Thank you for your
3: time today.